Welcome to the Saved by Mother Earth podcast, hosted by Heather Webster. In this podcast, Heather weaves together conversations of spirituality, wellness, and nature immersion to help create connection for your mind, body, and soul, allowing you to know your authentic self and enhancing your connection within and your connections with others. Heather combines her love of learning, teaching, spirituality, nature, and others to bring this podcast to you. Come join us on the journey of self-discovery. Well, welcome, India, to the Save by Mother Earth podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. It's so great to have you and be able to share a little bit about what you do and all the amazing work it seems like you're doing. Um, I looked a little bit kind of at your profile and your website, and it seems like you're doing amazing work. So tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and like kind of how you got to your purpose. Very, it doesn't have to be super long, but like this idea of like, what led you to that? And how does nature and spirituality come in? Yeah, well, I am the branding Bruja. So I am Afro-Indigenous from New York City originally, so not a lot of nature there. And I have had a very interesting path (laughs) to where I am today, but and I'll talk a lot more about this throughout, Um, spirituality and nature have really brought me from what I would consider a dark place personally, professionally, in all capacities of life, um, and has brought me to a place where I can be truly who I am, live where I want, do what I want, um, and just be the person who I feel like I wasn't able to be for a long time. So um, I'll get more into it, but that's kind of the gist. Wow. So, so yeah, so let's dive into that a little bit. So how, when were you like a nature-based, spirituality-based person before? No, not at all, huh? No, I grew up in New York City, like I mentioned, and I am from a Hispanic family. We were very urban in all that we did. And so at the risk of sounding offensive, I don't mean it offensively, but we perceived nature as like, oh, that's white people stuff. We don't do that. Um, And it wasn't meant to be like an offensive thing. It's just, that's not part of who we are, which is not true in any capacity. Um, Indigenous cultures and African cultures are very deeply rooted in nature and spirituality. But because we grew up in an urban setting, that just wasn't our life. And it wasn't really until college was my first initiation into exploring nature. But then when I met my partner, that was really the big moment for me. My partner and I dated long distance, and I won't get too into the details, but when we first met, I was living in a city and he was living out in Colorado, which is where we live currently. And I came out to visit and I wish I could explain what happened, but the mountains spoke to me in a way that nature had maybe been trying through in other points in my life, trying to speak to me, but the mountains were so clear. And so the message was just very well received. It took me a lot of years to get back to to Colorado. We stayed here for a little bit and then we left. And all throughout that time, I just kept hearing the call. 
it sounds so cheesy, but the call of the mountains, you have to come back, you have to come back and we visited. And every time we visited, I would cry when we left. So nature just spoke to me in the mountains. And so that's kind of where I finally, after a long road, ended up again, which has been amazing. Yeah. Well, and it goes back to that saying, the mountains are calling and I must go. Right. Yes. They really do. I mean, I ended up moving kind of like you. I, I mean, right now I'm just literally tr- like they, they were really calling. So now I'm just literally traveling the U S but before that, when I was exploring New Hampshire and things like that regularly, I then decided I'm just moving. Cause that's where the mountains are. But I want to get back to what you were talking about. Um, not wanting to sound offensive. I don't think it's offensive at all. I think our society doesn't make it as open because to people of color or different races, right. Or, or anything, right. Even women, I think. So I don't think it's offensive at all because number one, you're in a city, but if you go into any of the hiking stores or things like that, or you look at branding, you don't see people of different cultures in the branding. And now they're working on that. I was um, interviewing somebody for the podcast a while back and we were talking about that a little bit, that they're working on it and they're starting to like put that in there. But when you were growing up, you probably didn't see that. You didn't see representation of yourself. No, not in outdoor stuff. And truthfully, so I will be completely transparent. I love what you said about how the brands are starting to recognize it now, because that's exactly what I do. I work with brands to help them identify where are you not being inclusive and how can you reach a market you've never reached before. The reason that's so important to me is because of what you just said. I didn't see myself. And when I met my partner and we started doing the outdoorsy stuff, started going camping, hiking. Um, I don't love going in the water, but sometimes we'll go down by the river. And so different little things like that. My family really rejected it. And, you know, they sort of And I've always kind of been teased as as the one who's a little bit more white. And I have a lot of thoughts about what that means. It doesn't really mean anything. But I think what that really means is that I am comfortable leaving my, the spaces that have been designed for me to feel comfortable in, right? Urban settings where everyone looks like me and I feel comfortable there. And I've been able to transcend and it's very challenging, very challenging for people of color. And you mentioned women. Another group that I identify with is just the body positivity community. So Mm -hmm. I am um, unofficially, I am very nervous to join them probably because of the stigmas that I have associated with myself. But there's this group based out of Denver called Fat Babes in the Wild. Oh, I'm looking it up. You got to look it up. You've got to connect with them. Emma Gerd um, is who runs the organization. I think that's a pseudonym. She might have a different name that she operates under, but she um, is fantastic. And she's all about promoting body positivity in the wild because people who are larger just oftentimes are just excluded. And, you know, there, I mean, yes, there is physical limitations, but there are there's mobility aids that are available for people to be able to have more accessible walks. There are walks that are accessible that people just don't know about because there's not advertising and media around it. So I identify with that group too. And I think that 
one of the things my mom kind of teased me too. She was like, you're, you're so chunky. Like, how are you going to go and do this? And I was like, I love it. I love it. And yeah, I'm out of breath sometimes, but you know what? I did a five mile walk the other day and I didn't even break a sweat. And that was because I've spent time doing it. I'm not that much smaller than I was a couple of years back, but I would be lying if I said my body hasn't changed. So I just think that there is a lot of stigma and a lot of this is who's allowed to go outside. (laughs) As silly as that sounds, it's probably a sensitive thing to say given the world and the state of affairs, but that is how I think the outdoors has been perceived. This is who's allowed to go. And the rest of you, you can go to a park. Yeah. And it goes back to like accessibility too, whether like when I was, I lived in South Korea for a year and you could take a subway to the mountains. Right. And so you could get, because the mountains were part of the city because it's such a small um, country as a whole, but going back to like positive said positive body image and things like that, even trying to go find like clothes to wear, I've bought boys clothes more times than I know, because I have bigger thighs and those, those pants do not fit me in the girl section, um, typically. And so, but I think that's, I'm starting to see that changing where people are starting to put more out there. So I love this, that, and I think a lot of times I know like my mom has struggled at times when I go and do things by myself or, and a lot of it comes out of this fear for you or this un- not understanding, she understands me wanting to be outside because she was an outdoorsy person and still is. But I think there's something to not understanding what it is. Oh, yeah. We all come from nature. And I think a lot of times it's been, especially when you're talking about people like female identity and things like that, like, Ooh, a snake. Ooh, a bug. I'm scared. Right. Or, Oh, don't get dirty because this is who you are and girls don't get dirty and they wear fancy dresses. And so like, depending on how like your mom was raised and like, right. It just trickles down. It's so crazy too, because you don't, you don't think about it when you're a kid. When you're a kid, you want to play in the dirt. You want to go and be crazy and, and explore. And I think there's this nature, this drive from nature, the call of the mountains, right? That I mentioned earlier. There's this innate desire as a child to be in dirt. I have a five-year-old daughter and I could throw her in the backyard all day long and she's gonna play with rocks and sticks and come in smelling disgusting. But I love that about yeah. her. And when I was a kid, because I grew up in an urban environment that was very like not allowed. We had concrete spaces to your point about accessibility. We had no real easy way to get to nature. Nature was a summer activity. So there was a lot of limitations around that. If we did like have a barbecue or picnic somewhere outdoors, which we had several every summer, there were a lot of rules about what we could and couldn't do. 
So my mom, bless her heart, would come up with a lot of fun games for us to play, but they were very much so designed for us not to be playing in the dirt and messing up our good clothes for the pictures and all of that later. So, you know, strategic on her part, it worked, but I think it just discouraged us from playing in the dirt and being able to explore and then, of course, when you live in a city, I mean, there's a whole other layer that comes with that where you just don't want to. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't want to get dirty. I'm going to ride the subway. I don't want to be feeling disgusting. And so and it's very multi-layered, I think, in why nature, I think, is blocked from a lot of people, mm-hmm. whether intentional or unintentional. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think I think what I'm getting from your story the most is that it literally pulled you. It said enough is enough. Get yourself out in nature and start being a part of this. And now you're able to break that generational trauma because it is separating you from like what we're supposed to be in. Obviously it's not the traumas that like we know other people (laughs) like deal with, but it's an ingrained trauma that was taken probably from your family as a culture generations ago when you're breaking it for your daughter or your, do you have more than one? Do you have? I do. I have a daughter and I have a son oh. and both of them are such nature fanatics. I love it. <laughs> Excuse me. We, um, we homeschool our children and we spend a lot of time outdoors, a lot of time in nature. We do field trips to national parks and it has been so fantastic. Something with my children that is very important to me is to allow them to explore it without a lot of rules. Yes. So you made the point, um, you know, about my culture and how we've in multiple ways, because I'm multi-hyphenated, right? So I have my roots in native um, Taino culture, and then I also have African roots. And in both ways, my ancestors lived and breathed nature. And I haven't talked a ton about the beach because I don't spend a lot of time there, uh, just because the nature of living in Colorado is there's no beach. But when I was a child, to your point about being called, and then I'll get back to my own children, I loved the beach. And that I think is very connected to my Taino roots, being able to say, oh, this is where I'm like happy in the water and all of that. And I didn't think of that as nature until I was an adult. I just, that was a part of my my idea of the world. You just go to the beach. Right. It wasn't until I got older that I was like, oh, that was how I stayed connected as a child. Bringing it back to my own children, that is so important is that they are connected to nature and that we talk about our ancestors all the time. So my daughter, my son is only two. He just likes to climb and explore and that's fine. But my daughter is, she's only gonna be six. And we talk about the ancestors all the time. She'll look at a leaf and she'll say, how did the ancestors use this leaf? And you know, then I have to explain to her, this is not our ancestors land. I don't know how the natives in this land use this. But I can tell you about how we communicate with the trees or how we look at the moon and the stars. So 
there is a piece of generational trauma there that I don't know. I don't know the answers to a lot of her questions, but I get to break that cycle because I get to talk about it. And I assure you, my parents didn't talk about it with me. And you could start researching it together. And one of the things that's been really eye-opening and not eye-opening to me at the same time as I'm traveling across the country is one of the things that I'm very cognizant of doing whenever I get to any new land is knowing about the natives that lived there before. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's very interesting as you drive across the country. And I guess this isn't really surprising to me, but it still makes me mad Um, Mm -hmm. when you drive across the country and it's like, Oh, let's talk about the Westerners that came the Cowboys. Right. And all of that is like, and then they might have a little part about the indigenous people that lived there before that. And I'm like, no, let's talk about them. Let's talk about the people that were here before any of it was colonized. And let's talk about how smart and intelligent they were and how they used the land to help themselves. But then how did they help the land, right? How did they steward the land and be part of that? And you get to bring that back alive for your kids. And it's kind of neat because you get to do it with them. Yeah. It's cool. I get to learn with them because I didn't, I didn't know any of this stuff growing up and it's not, I mean, it's the design of colonialism. It's not for lack of want on my parents' part. They just didn't know. And, you know, they're not children of the internet, so they don't know how to look it up even. And thankfully we do, you know, I, I was getting ready to say we should talk about industrialization and, and how the natives were moved off their land, but then there is a part of technology that at least we get to benefit from. And now I can, I could do my research and I could travel the country. I travel the country all the time with my partner and my family. And I have a little map in my car that tells me where to go. So there is, you know, I think there's, there's drawbacks and there's positives to industrialization. So I won't dive into that one, but it just made me think when you were talking about the rest stops and, you know, visiting and wanting to know who lived here and and why did they get taken off of this land too, I think is another piece. And and why do we only have tiny little national parks and lots of cities? I would love more national parks and more green spaces. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I was, when I was going through Denver outside of Arizona, I mean, outside of the Grand Canyon, not Denver, when I was in Arizona outside of the Grand Canyon, um, I stopped, I, I try to make an effort to when I'm going to buy something from the native culture, not buying at a store where they get a hit and mm-hmm. we don't know how much the person's going to get the actual creator. And so I stopped at this little, little, um, store, one of those like little, like they, they have these little like shack buildings on the side of the road. And I mm-hmm. stopped in there and it was in the Navajo nation. And I was talking to the woman and there, and she was talking about how much her culture has, right. Got put like how she got pushed out, how she had to go stay, um, in San Diego with another family so she could get educated and how she was lucky because they tried to keep her culture alive for her by bringing her home. And I was like, how interesting that that's lucky that you got Mm -hmm. pulled out of your home to go get educated, but other people were in boarding homes or in homes that didn't let them see families. And then she was talking about how they've lost all their elders to COVID and how a lot of their traditions are gone. And it just broke my heart because earlier, like three days before that I was talking, I went into this little museum and 
the woman was talking about how they they came the mormons came in and saved the natives because they were fighting and we, they, they educated them and they helped them. And it, it just broke my heart because you're just like that trauma that's living with them in the land that they've lost. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's challenging because it's not talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. And even when it is talked about, I feel like it's, there's nothing that we can do. Like talking is, is fantastic, but unless there's real policy and there's real change, it doesn't, doesn't help any. And so I find that, I mean, it does help. It helps to educate people and for them to know more. I don't want to say that it doesn't help, but it doesn't push forward the movement in the ways in which it really needs to be pushed forward. And I mean, we could debate and talk about what should and shouldn't happen to native land. And the reality is, is that industrialization has taken a lot of it away. And so it's not like we could just give them land anyway, if we wanted to. And colonialization has made it so they don't know a lot about it. Like you mentioned, they don't have their old language. They wouldn't know how to toil the land. And so I think that the question of accessibility to nature goes so much deeper than native culture. I mean, it just, it affects us all. It's not just native cultures. If you live in the suburbs, you likely don't live very close to green spaces either. Yeah. And it's that it's one of those things where I've been kind of sharing with like my clients and stuff, like what could you get to? Is it that tree that's amongst all that concrete that you can just give a hug to or, or touch the leaves or things like that. But I, I love that you took the opportunity, right? It was meant to be that you're supposed to meet your partner oh, in yeah. Colorado. And I love how you took the opportunity to say, yes, I'm going to move there and raise my kids here and really make it who you are to make that a big part of your life, which probably has helped you create the business that you've created by tapping into your intuition intuition and getting more connected to yourself as well. Absolutely. So a little mini backstory. I am part of the great resignation. So I quit, <laughs> yes, um, I quit my job in December of 2020, right after my son was born. And I took some time off. I was living in Pennsylvania, very urban space. I was in a building at that. So we weren't even in a home. Um, I had a little backyard. So I was I was still doing my nature thing. I had a little back um, walkway park thing that I walked every day and every evening. Um, and I, you know, I stayed connected, but we came out to visit Colorado a year prior right before I, my son was born. And I was like, I got to get back here. Something's got to give. So when I quit my job in December, 2020, it was a total result of burnout, um, a total just, I cannot do this anymore. And then my partner said, you know what, why don't you just take a break? Which I probably hadn't done in the you know 20 odd years that I had been alive. He said, why don't you just take a break and figure things out? We, are, we weren't in Colorado at the time. We spent some time traveling the country. Our kids are young. Um, they didn't have school, so that was kind of cool. Yeah. We had school, so anyway, um, so it was nice. We were able to travel the country for a little bit. We settled in Colorado in May of 2021, and I didn't do anything. It was quite lovely. I just was for the first about six months that we were here. Um, I 
just went out into nature. I was taking my kids on walks every day. We explored, we have um, annual park passes. So we're able to go to Rocky Mountain and we drove up to Wyoming a few times um, and just really spent time refinding myself and all those things that I used to love about myself before corporate America just kind of took it from me. Um, and then on a walk of all, of course, on a walk, I was really thinking about where my skills were. I was in education before this, but I was working in for-profit education. Excuse me. I was working in for-profit education and I was doing a lot of their outreach, a lot of the branding, the messaging. And so I realized I was pretty good at that. I liked the education stuff, but I was really good at capturing a message and figuring out how to communicate with people. How can I talk to this person so they feel comfortable? How can I talk to this person so they feel comfortable? They don't feel comfortable the same way. Right. Um, and right, everyone's different. Um, so I learned that very quickly. Um, and it was on this walk that I was like, oh, okay, maybe there's something here. Maybe I can help other people do this. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the demographics in Colorado. Um, it is 9% diverse. Yeah. That is it. It's a, one of the least diverse states in the nation. And I think that was where the other piece came in for me. I realized I was going on hikes. I was doing all these things and there weren't a lot of people who looked like me and I didn't care because I was in my liberation space I was like I'm here to explore I love it but I want to see more people who look like me and when I would talk to my friends and my neighbors who were people of color who were from marginalized groups they kind of had like even still even living in Colorado had sort of like oh we don't do that nature thing that's not why we're in Colorado and I was like why not and it became very clear to me like okay there's something to be said here about the marketing piece um in terms of diverse languages and not just about nature in terms of everything um we just are not diverse in our marketing it's just the unfortunate reality it is changing and we are seeing that and I am part of that movement of making it so that more diverse audiences are being targeted by brands and the the bruja part of it the branding bruja right so that's the brand i feel like inclusive marketing is just my my calling um professionally right now but the bruja piece of it is that i am a very spiritual person i identify as a bruja um and spirituality is a huge piece of my journey mm -hmm. of what brought me to nature in general i identify as a uh, i identify as a bruja but uh, bruja is the Spanish word for witch. Uh, so if we're talking witchery, I would say that I am a kitchen and a green witch. So nature just calls me in such beautiful, beautiful ways. Um, I spend a lot of time doing my brand like client work when I'm working on a graphic or some copy. I'm usually outside touching the grass with my feet so that way I can get that inspiration and soak it all up. So yeah, I think that um, my journey has been long, but I'm here and, and 
nature finally got a hold of me. Yes. And you say it with a smile and so much enthusiasm around it, right? Like there's nothing better than working on you could be outside at the same time and the creativity just comes in, right? Mm-hmm. So what kind of tips do you have? Do you have like two or three tips that the listeners could use um, in terms of self-connecting to like nature, well, themselves right? and nature? Yes, absolutely. So I would say the first tip is what you said earlier in the episode, which is get out however you can. I think that that's what sustained me for so long living in the urban jungle was going to parks and going to the beach or, you know, just finding ways I could connect with nature. That's so, so important. The second tip is one that is rooted in privilege but if you can get out and live in nature do it however that looks I know that there's a lot of privilege that comes with what I just said but if you have the ability do it it is life-changing um and I think the last thing is to listen I think the trees speak to you if you really listen and um I don't think I heard it until I was able to let myself let go of all the rules that I created around what nature could and couldn't be for me. I think that's a lot of it, right. Of letting go and just being like allowing it to come in and realize that that's like a message. It's your mm-hmm. voice, the message. So I just have to ask, mm-hmm. what was it like growing up in New York, like in the city, the first time you saw a sky full of stars? Ah, I love that question. I, I almost cried. Um, we used to joke and say, I, when we would go out to like Pennsylvania, right? Like the Poconos, which is saturated in light pollution. And my dad would go, look at the stars. And I would think they were beautiful. And there was maybe like a couple dozen clusters. And when I came out to Colorado with my partner, he took me to Rocky Mountain National Park late at night, Trail Ridge Road. Some of your listeners might know of it. It's just up the mountain. And it was so dark and so beautiful. And I couldn't believe, I felt like I was in a snow globe. That's the best way to describe it. So uh, nothing like it. Oh my goodness. That's fantastic. Okay. So my last question, I do have a lot of people that are entrepreneurs that listen to this. So they will definitely want to know about like what you do for branding and do you help solo entrepreneurs and where can they find you? Absolutely. So I work with small brands and solopreneurs, and my real mission is to bring magic to your strategy. So you can find me on Instagram at Branding Bruja. Uh, I'm online at brandingbruja.com, and you can join my list uh, email list there. And yeah, I would love to help anyone with their brand strategy, taking a look at how you can be more inclusive, how you can bring more people to your brand because the more the merrier. So absolutely. I love that. And I'll put the links in the show notes as well. Well, thank you, India, so much for being on the Save by Mother Earth podcast. This was an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.